living in crazy and amazing times, right? We just don't know what's around the corner, what each day brings, but we know that our God is in control, that he is in control and he is not on the back foot, he is on the front foot. He goes ahead of us. And that's why we really wanted to do this series, The Awe of God. And um, I'd really recommend each one of you to follow John Bevere. This is his new book. And the timing of this is absolutely God-ordained. And this is basically his life message of what God has spoken to him over the years. For those of you that have followed his journey, he wrote The Fear of God as well. And this is The Awe of God, which is almost like a continuation. There's a few sermons up on YouTube already and there's a book that you can get and you can do it as a devotional. As we, as we go along, I think you'll get even more out of this topic. <clears throat> I think one of the reasons that we find the church in such a challenging space right now is because a lot of churches, a lot of people have lost the awe of God. Lost the awe of God because they have brought God down into commonplace in their life. They've lost their love, their passion, their understanding of who God really is. That He is the creator of this earth. He is all knowing, He is holy. And we find ourselves in this crazy place where some believers don't even believe the word of God is truth anymore. And they make up their own truth and their own opinions on what that is. And we have many Christians that will speak on behalf of God and throw out the word of God. How crazy is that? The fear of God and the awe of God is not about being scared of him. It's not about being scared. It's about having a reverence and a fear, a reverence and a respect for who he is. It's about running into his presence because we don't want to be away from his presence. So having fear of God in our life, having the awe of God in our life is not wanting to be away from his presence. It's not running away. It's running too, because our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. And we need to remember that because how can we be confident in him if he's not an awesome God? How can we be confident? How can we be bold? How can we have faith on the earth if our God is not awesome? If he's not worthy to be praised, if his word is not all truth, what are we doing here? What are we doing here if his, if his word is all truth? Each one of us could write our own Bible, right, according to us. We could all do it. 
just take out all the bits that don't fit our lifestyle, that challenge us, we could, all, we could do that. That's pretty much what's happening now. And so we need to restore the awe of God to our life. We've got to love to be in his presence, to stir the flame. It says in the Bible, fan the flame. And this is what I love about King David, is he loved the house of God. In Psalm 84.10, he says, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For Jehovah God is a sun and shield. Jehovah will give grace and glory. No good thing will be withheld from those who walk uprightly. David loved the house of God. He wanted to be in the house of God. He didn't want to be away from the house of God. He said he'd rather stand as a doorkeeper than not be in the house of God. I remember when I was 16 and I had my first amazing encounter with Jesus that absolutely changed my life. And I was growing up in church as well. But God still was not real to me. And I remember on this youth camp when I had an encounter with God and I fell in love with him. And I was blown away with his love for me. And for me, there was no turning back. And there has been no turning back. Because I loved the house of God. I didn't want to be away from it. That's probably why I'm a pastor now. I never wanted to be apart from the presence of God. This is David's heart. I would say to all of you, foster a love for the house of God. Is the house of God perfect? Absolutely not. Because it's full of us, right? But the house of God is where his presence dwells. And we need to have a passion to be in his presence. When we are familiar with him, that is when we go off track. That is what has happened to the church. We have become familiar with his presence and then it means nothing. It means nothing. When you become familiar with a friendship, when you become familiar in your marriage, You don't give it time, you don't value it, you don't put any effort in because it's just there. It's just there. God's just there. He's fine. He's just there. But we need to remember that our God is holy. He is righteous. And he he longs for us to, to come into his presence because we're his children Every parent wants their child to want to come and see them, to visit them, to spend time with them. Every parent wants that. So why should we be in awe of God? Why should we keep that awe of God in our life? Well, despite the fact that God is holy, the other reason is that it keeps us on the right path. 
It keeps our life on the right path. Because what does familiarity do? It breeds contempt. What I've noticed is this in our world right now. And this is a message to some of our teenagers out there. Probably to other people too. We can love our parents, but if we disrespect them, we actually don't love them. Because love and respect go together. And when we, when we, we can say we love someone, right? But if we don't respect them, if we don't listen to their words, we don't value their words, and we're actually quite disobedient and we're rebellious, we actually don't respect them at all. We don't really love them at all because love and respect go together. Same is with God. We can say we love him. But if we don't follow his word, if we're rebellious, if we don't want him to speak into our life, we're actually disrespectful. We're actually not really in love with God. We're in love with the idea of God. But we don't actually want him to interfere in our world. We need to get that respect and reverence back for our God because he loves us and he wants the best for us. And that's why he writes to us in his word and he reminds us of what is the best for our life because he actually cares. As a parent, we told our kids off a lot. (laughs) We were quite, you know, we loved them. We did lots of things for them. I I would give my life for them. But there were boundaries in our family and that created respect. And because of that respect, our kids knew what the boundaries were and those boundaries were to keep them safe. Why? Because we loved telling them off? Because it was lots of fun? No. Because we wanted them to have a fruitful life. We wanted them to have a prosperous life. We wanted them to have the best life. So does your Father in heaven. He gives you instruction. He gives you boundaries because he loves you so much that he wants you to have your absolute best life. King David did not want to spend time away from God. Did he make mistakes in his life? Absolutely. Read the story of King David. But he was known as a man after the heart of God. He respected God. He was in awe of God. Now we just want to read a bit further and we're going to look into his son, King Solomon. King Solomon was known in his time as a man of great wisdom. Everything prospered under his hand. The land was wealthy. The people were happy. The country was in peace. People travelled for miles around to see him, to visit him, to give him gifts, to ask of his wisdom. So he, he, he started off really well. In the time of his reign, it was a very prosperous time. We're going to read from 1 Kings 11.1 1, to see where it went just a bit wrong. And this is where Solomon began to disobey God. Why did he disobey God? I believe he got familiar with God's presence. He was brought up around the presence of God. His father spent time in the presence of God and yet King Solomon strayed. 
1 Kings 11.1. And King Solomon loved many foreign women, even the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabites, Ammonites, Ekamites, Sidians, Hittites, a lot of women there, right? Of the nations which Jehovah had said to the the sons of Israel, you shall not go into them and they shall not go into you. Surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. And he had 700 wives, princesses and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart. Isn't that interesting? His wives turned away his heart. What did God say to him in the beginning? That they were not to marry foreign wives because God knew what would happen. This is what happens when you're disobedient. For it happened when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart. I think he was probably exhausted by that time, do you think? (laughs) Turn away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with Jehovah, his God, as was the heart of David, his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the the goddess of the Sinians, and after Mekom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of Jehovah and did not go fully. Isn't that interesting? He did not go fully after Jehovah like his father David. Then Solomon built a high place for Shemosh, the abomination of Moab in the hill, which is before Jerusalem, and for Moloch, the abomination of the sons of Ammon. And likewise, he did for all of his foreign wives and burnt incense and sacrificed to their gods. Whoa. How did that happen? How did a man of wisdom, a man of God, go so far the other way? I think he had a bit of a problem with lust, highly likely. (laughs) And um, it clearly said in God's Word, that they were not to marry foreign women. And what does King Solomon do? Thinks he knows better and does exactly that. And that is the result. God gives us instruction in his word because he cares about us. So we see such a change there. I also see that Solomon lived in a time of ease. His his father was in many, many battles, so he had to look to God. I think sometimes when life is too easy, then you begin to turn to other things. Solomon began to indulge the flesh because God, he was just familiar with God. He'd been around God too long and he lost his love of God. And what does it say? that his heart was not perfect. His heart was not holy for God. We can be the same. We can say that we love God, but if our whole heart is not for him, 
we're not really for him. We can leave a part of our heart for other things that we don't let God into. And when we start to entertain the things of this world and we think it's going to be okay and God's going to be fine with it, and that's the result. His father, David, kept a pure heart after God. David kept a pure heart. And the difference is when David made mistakes, he ran to the house of God and he repented. He acknowledged his wrongdoing. He lost the fear of God. His heart was deceived by the foreign women. He loved them more than God. You know what happens when we lose the awe of God? We actually start to love the opinions of others more than we love God. We start to fear man more than we fear God. We fear the opinions of man more than we fear the opinion of our God. We need to rearrange that in our heart. What God says about you matters more than any other opinion. It is God who we will all stand before. We will not stand before man in the end. We will stand before our God. And we need to keep our heart right before him. The fear of God is loving God more than anything else in our life, is keeping that awe of God alive, that passion alive, that love for him, that every day that we will come to God's presence and just thank him for who he is. Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. This was in Matthew 22, 37. Our whole heart, our whole heart needs to be for God, not a part of our heart, but our whole heart. It also says, Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28, do not fear those who kill the body but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What can man do to you? Yes, he can kill the body, but he can't kill the soul. That belongs to God. So when we have the fear of God in our life, the awe of God in our life, then what man says doesn't matter anymore. Because we know what our God thinks about us. We know that he's on our side. We know that he fights for us. And the awe of God keeps us on that narrow road. It keeps us aligned to his word. Jesus was very clear with the disciples. He said, you love me if you follow my word, if you obey my commands. We love by showing it, don't we? We love by respecting God's Word. You know, we begin to do things when we lose the awe of God. We begin to do things that man says is okay. How many times have you heard people say to you, oh, God wouldn't mind if you did that? 
He doesn't care. He'll forgive you. It's fine. That's Old Testament God. That's, you know. Since when? Since when does man get to be God's spokesman like that and disobey God's word? Since when is the word of God irrelevant to our life? The word of God is all living, has not changed, is still the same. God's not changed his mind. God's word is still all truth. When we respect God, we want to live for him. We want to live for him. You know, he's, he's our father. Some of us may not have had a father, but you can go to your father in heaven and, and he'll say, well done, daughter, well done, son. He longs for that relationship with you. When we respect God, we live for him and we treasure, we treasure spending time with him. Isaiah 33, 6 says, And he will be the security of your times and strength of salvation, wisdom and knowledge. The fear of Jehovah is his treasure. The fear of God, the awe of God should be your treasure. What do you do with a treasure? You hold on to it with everything that you have. You hold on to it. You value it. You keep it safe. The fear of God should be our treasure. We should hide it in our heart and hold on to it with everything we have. Don't let anyone rob you of that, rob you of your heart for God, your awe of Him. It should be your treasure. Value it. Hold on to it because it is with that treasure that you will live a prosperous life. You will live a prosperous life if you keep the awe of God in your life because it will keep you on the right path. Because his word is our truth. Psalm 88.7 says, God is greatly to be seen as awesome in the assembly of the holy ones and to be feared by all around about him. O Jehovah, God of hosts, who is strong like you and your faithfulness is all round about you. Who is like our God? Who is like our God? He is awesome. It says he is awesome in this assembly of the holy ones. I begin that I believe there's a new, new movement going right around the earth right now, where God is restoring the holiness, the reverence, the awesomeness of His presence to His church. That He is reminding them of who He is. That He is Almighty God able to do all things, able to do all things, able to shift all mountains. You know, it's sad for Solomon, started so well. 
nearly finished very, very, very badly. He indulged everything that he could of his flesh. If you go and read Ecclesiastes, it's very interesting reading. And he's contemplating his life. As he's contemplating everything that he's done. It's almost like a deathbed musing, contemplation. And he's thinking about all the things that he's done and all the things in the flesh that he's experienced and he's everything he's done to feed the flesh, to feed this inside of him. There is a hole inside of everybody that can only be fulfilled by God. And if it's not fulfilled by God, we will chase everything else under the sun and it will never fulfill our heart. And in Ecclesiastes 2.10, it says, And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labour. And this was my part of all my labour. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done and on the labour that I had laboured to do. And behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit, and there is no profit under the sun. Everything that he has done, he looked upon. This is meaningless. This is meaningless. Everything that I have done, whatever my eyes desired, I did not withhold, and yet I'm still not fulfilled. I'm still not fulfilled. We can see this out there right now, can't we? Famous people, done everything out there that there is to do, and they've got a hungry heart. They're lonely. They're broken. When we do things apart from God, there's no blessing. There's nothing in the end to show for it. Having a healthy fear of God is having a repentant attitude. Having a repentant attitude, a heart that is soft towards God, that is able to admit when we're wrong, able to admit. There's not enough of that now, is there? Not enough people take responsibility for anything that they do. Sometimes I wonder if the Garden of Eden would have ended up differently if Adam and Eve had repented for what they'd done instead of blaming the snake, each other, God. We do that, don't we? We like to blame others. The key to keeping the awe of God is to have a repentant heart, to have a heart that is soft, a heart that is willing to listen, a heart that is able to admit when we've done wrong and that we would run to the house of God, that we would run to His presence, that we would not let shame get in the way like Adam and Eve hid. And sometimes we can feel like hiding, don't we? Because we've strayed so far away from God and sometimes we can feel like there's no way back, but there's always a way back. Our Father's always waiting for us. He's always got open arms waiting for us. And the prodigal son ran in and he was repentant. 
He didn't justify His actions. He didn't try and justify what He'd done. He just asked for forgiveness. Keeping a heart soft before God will keep you on the right path. It'll keep you soft before Him so that He is able to direct your life so that you can have your best life. King David said in Psalm 51.10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from Your presence and take not Your Holy Spirit from me. We need a clean heart before God, a clean slate before God. And that we can come into His presence because of Jesus. Our God is holy. He is holy. So the only way that we can come into His presence is by the blood of Jesus. Because we need the righteousness of Jesus on our life. And the Bible is very clear that we need Jesus. We cannot come to the Father without Him. And I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning, if you haven't asked Jesus into your life, to ask Him into your life, that you can run to the Father. So at the end of the life of Solomon, we read in Ecclesiastes 12, 13. He sums it up. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. I'll say that again. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment and every secret thing, whether it is good or whether evil. So at the end of his life, Solomon realised he learnt the hard way that everything was meaningless without God. That the awe of God in his life the fear of God in his life. Keeping his commandments was what it was all about. And that God would judge whether it was good or whether it was evil. We have an opportunity this morning to get our hearts right with our God. To be in awe of him, to give him our life to want to follow, to have Him speak into our lives so that we can have the life that He wants for us, which is our absolute best life. We need a heart that's fully, fully turned towards God. Fully there. And God is calling His people, I believe, back to the altar, back to the altar to be consecrated to be holy, to be right before Him so that He can use us, each one of our lives. Let's just pray this morning.
Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, that you are holy. Thank you, Lord, that you gave your Son so that we could be righteous because of the blood of that was shed for us, Lord. God, never let us be familiar with what you've done for us. Lord, let us stand in awe of who you are and what you've done. God, restore our love, restore our hearts, restore our passion that we would run after you, God, that we would enter into a new life with you, a great life with you. While every eye is closed, I'm going to give an opportunity now for anyone here that would like to give their life to Jesus this morning, that would like to invite Him into their heart so that He would be able to lead them in their life. So that's you this morning. If God is stirring you right now, just lift up your hand in this place. I'm going to pray for you that Jesus would meet with you. It's the best decision that you could ever make for your life. If that's you this morning, just lift up your hand. I'm going to pray that God would lead you, that He would be with you, and He will guide you. Thank you, Lord. And I just want to do another call this morning for those of us that just need to get our heart completely right with God. That you know that He's speaking to you this morning. If you want prayer this morning, that God would just restore your passion, would restore your love to spend time in His presence. If that's you this morning, I'm going to pray with people today that the awe of God would be restored in their life. And they'd be just passionate about the things of God again. If that's you this morning, just lift up your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, guys. It's fantastic. You see that hand. Amen. Oh, you have an opportunity to have prayer this morning. If there's any other prayer needs, feel free to come to the altar. And if you just want to worship at the altar this morning, if you just want to do that, feel free to come down while we sing this last song. Amen.